Welcome to Ship It and Sip It. This is our Friday show where we talk about shipping shit and drinking beer or other beverages. Our first guest is Igor Krasnick and our first beer is from New Riga's Brewery, which is Russian, I think. And it's the Puzzle IPA series. Tell me about your relationship with craft beer. Do you like it? Okay, so I used to like it when it just appears now, when the like, first bars opened that offered this craft beer thing. The thing I really like about these is they're just simple, you know? So it's not about beer taste or yeah, experimental? You know, it's it's yeah, just... That's great, that's great. One hop, a lot of malts, and um, the flavor is intense but not like over the top. That's how you drink craft beers? Yeah, you gotta, yeah, smell. You gotta mm, smell it. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. All right, what do you think about this one? Uh, it's actually a pretty good one. So uh, that's a beer I like. So it's uh, not the weird, uh, too sour or too uh, aggressive. So it's a good one. I like it. Yeah, me too. So what's the news from Parallax this week? We have shipped a new website for one of our partners called I Mitigate Risk. And tell us a little bit about iMitigate Risk and what their new site's all about. Uh, so it's a marketing website for the products that we're currently building. It's not yet launched, um, but uh, it's about uh, um, basically mitigating the risk. So it's an insure tech uh, focused on their uh, engineering and buildings. There's a lot of uh, players in this process of auditing a construction site, insuring a construction site, building, architecting, all these people are sending each other spreadsheets, probably PDF files, probably uh, paper invoices. And this is a massive headache just in, from in my imagination. I yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the challenges with the products is that there is so many roles involved. So there are a company, there are brokers, there are uh, people who uh, go to the um, construction and analyze the risk. So that's why it um, contains the web application. It includes a mobile application. Uh, we also built a, a separate tablet application. So it's uh, really like a huge application. And it's uh, a bit different for us because uh, uh, in Prolect we ship like MVPs in three or four months uh, normally. And in this case, we spent, uh, I think, like around six or seven months just to go with this MVP uh, because the process is so complicated and you can just remove like extra steps. What's live right now already is the website, which I want to talk about today. Uh, let's talk about the website for iMitigate Risk and uh, we built it in Webflow, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. Webflow, for those of you that don't know, it's a no-code or low-code a website builder that people can use to build landing pages, build marketing pages for their products. Uh, you can build a blog with it. You can build e-commerce pages with it, right? You can do a lot of things. Why did we go with Webflow versus, uh, I don't know, Bubble or Card or Wix? There are a lot of low-code, no-code builders. Tilda is also one of them. Uh, why do we use Webflow and what do you particularly like about it? First of all, uh, it's probably the question why we uh, started to use the website builders at all. And uh, there was some point when we worked for some client to build the marketing website and it's uh, uh, moved so slowly 
we weren't satisfied uh, with the results. We even didn't build a client uh, because of that. And uh, it was clear that it's time to change. So we don't need developers to do these basic uh, stuff. So And marketing website is uh, it's basic stuff for the developers. So right. they better utilize their power into working with the data, scaling the system and so on, instead of working on these like static pages. So Webflow was uh, the tool that most of startups uh, started to apply during um, that time. Uh, and from the very beginning, it's built to uh, integrate with other tools. So it's not only about building like static page, it's about uh, integrate, uh, integrating the data that is collected with uh, uh, Zapier and with Zapier you can automate it further. But in our case, I like that Webflow it's not just a visual builder. Uh, like you said, the learning curve uh, is rather um, big one. So I would say it was a great move. Now all the websites are built by our designers. Yeah, okay, let's okay. pause there. Yeah, okay. Because I have a question from, from the outside. It just sounds like you, you've, you've put a huge task onto the designers. Uh, how do they feel about that? What was like the, the reaction from the design team? Uh, maybe I'll ask the designers next time yeah. in, in the interview. Uh, how do they feel about uh, building in Webflow and having this extra requirement? And also, does that take any time away from more traditional design tasks like uh, user research, usability testing, uh, any of those other things that the designers might be more used to doing? I believe designers like it because uh, they are used to produce designs that uh, was then implemented by developers and developers used to implement them badly. So you need to go back and forth like, hey, fix uh, like this margin, this padding. It, uh, it should look uh, like differently on the mobile. And uh, uh, this process of communication back and forth between designers, de uh, developers, and then you include managers in cumbersome and you come up with uh, like uh, something that uh, is not ideal in terms of designs. You can definitely do something to prove your idea and it's possible. Uh, you can do some work manually around it uh, to serve users, to start serving users, to validate markets. And then uh, you normally will need at least some custom development on top of it. Right. Uh, you can't go without a development at all at the moment. Coming back specifically to Webflow, what is like the last 10% work that people don't talk about very often that really takes a while to get the site live? From the management perspective, I don't think that we face these uh, issues. And the reason uh, probably why we don't face this issue is that we use it for the basic stuff. Like uh, we are not building like uh, e-commerce on top of Webflow. Probably you will see a lot of issues with that. Mm -hmm. uh, we built regular like uh, web pages, marketing websites uh, that includes analytics. Um, uh, we connect uh, CMS to store the data, to sync the data, and it's working just fine. If you know how to use it, it's a great tool. Yeah, yeah. for its specific purpose, for a, for a simpler purpose. Yeah, one thing that I can say that uh, in comparing to the other builders, especially that it's not as easy to add custom code into the web flow. So it's funny that, yeah, it's low-code tool, no-code tool, but it's uh, pretty tough to add this code there. And it's actually a pity. I would like to have uh, an ability to uh, easily add some React component there because it would be uh, just much more uh, advanced in this case. 
And, right. I, and I think they will fix it someday. Yeah, and another website that uh, we launched recently last month, uh, our accelerator landing page, was you said you first built it in Tilda and then uh, the designer built it again in Webflow. So tell us a little bit about your experience with Tilda, what's it good for, and why did you eventually switch from Tilda to Webflow? Uh, yeah, so uh, in our company at Parallect, we use Webflow for commercial projects, uh, but uh, we use Tilda on a couple of our own pages to validate concepts. So my uh, goal was just to validate the tool. It's possible to build a beautiful website there. So. Uh, it was exciting, and and the learning curve is not as uh, uh, it's not as bad as in Webflow uh, because it's more about visual uh, editor. So you just open the page and you move things around. So for example, it's much easier to work with a custom code there. It's easier to start uh, to move it because it has less structure. So it's not forcing you to know like this flexbox concepts like in Webflow. You just build a website and deploy it because the Webflow is um, tightly integrated in startup uh, infrastructure. So that means you can integrate with anything easily. Everyone knows about Webflow. Uh, they built integration with Webflow. So you can just build a nice uh, like business around it. Right. And to be still there, um, it's more built for Russian market, I believe. And the most of tutorials now in Russian. But it's a pity they have really great product. So it's like a Figma for the websites. I would say use Tilda when you want to experiment with your UI and to use Webflow when you build something for someone, for clients. Moving on from Webflow and Tilda and, uh, and other low-code, no-code website builders, you've launched your own website, eager.parallect.com, and you built that in Notion. So we've just talked about two different, a few different uh, website builders, uh, but for your personal site, you decided to go with Notion. Why was that? Notion is pretty popular and it's uh, loved by anyone who uses it. It seems like uh, I didn't hear about any person who hates Notion. So uh, I already used Notion for the personal things. And um, before that, we tried Notion for uh, our joint page and it worked great. Uh, it worked great because um, uh, it gave our recruiters way to uh, easily manage and update uh, new positions. And we hosted it with the super.so, uh, so it's the hosting solution for the Notion. And when you host it with them, it works even faster. So basically, it turns your Notion pages into real like landing pages. Do you ever miss like the web 1.0 where people <laughs> had like just the weirdest shit on their landing pages yeah. and like autoplay music when you opened a website and some like Go 3D pictures, streaming 3D weird <laughs> animations? Yeah, of course I made that time. What do you talk about on your site and Who's it for? Who do you want to read what you have there? So basically, I'm, uh, I'm sharing like the tools that we prefer to use in the products because we think that it allows you to manage it easily and to iterate uh, faster. So I just want to be transparent um, just to uh, promote myself and promote our company, Parallect. Uh, you've been doing this for years with, with clients, uh, building their products together. Uh, what took you so long to get to the point where you said, okay, I want to open this up to the world and share it with more people. It's hard to say something out loud because you expect someone who will say, everyone knows that it's boring stuff. Yeah. Okay, so what? 
when I when I observe teams here, when I work with teams here and and anywhere, uh, people are very quick to offer each other advice within the team, uh, help each other solve problems very quickly, and share what they've learned. Uh, but to get that outside of that team, that company, that small group of friends, even with friends or like people you share a hobby with, it's very easy to share those lessons. Uh, and the technology gives us a way to share those lessons further, uh, but it takes a certain mindset to say, okay, I learned this together with Eager on this project, and now I'm going to go tweet about it. Like, uh, and and I'm not that guy really at all either. Uh, so, what do you think? Is that okay? Does, does everybody have to build in public, or is this just something that will be a niche uh, among certain personality types? It's uh, definitely a niche, but uh, I would say that uh, it would make our world uh, much more better if uh, everyone tried to do that. I mean, to share in public and not uh, scared to be shared in public because once again, you never know like how valuable your thoughts are. Because social media, it's a great way to basically uh, start uh, to increase your price in the market. So think that, that way. So if you want to increase your price, your salary, just start to build in public. So now there's a startup where uh, people are putting a monetary value on that called BitCloud. It's the big news the last couple of weeks. And basically they scraped a ton of Twitter data, uh, populated a new landing page with a lookalike Twitter clone that looks okay, uh, gave all of these accounts there uh, a certain amount of cryptocurrency, clout coins, what do they call it? I don't even I know. know. It's okay. Coins. Yeah, yeah. So they gave all these accounts BitClout coins, and there's also uh, a creator coin that is specific to each account. So basically, each person has a currency. So if Eager is there, I can go on there and I can buy some of Eager coins. What do you think about this idea? Do you like it? How will it impact this creator economy? So they are provocative, so uh, that's what makes them do, uh, different and interesting to investigate. Uh, probably it's a, like a short-term project, but uh, probably it will become more and more bigger and chances are it can replace Twitter eventually. The, the governing bodies have deemed a lot of these platforms attempts at cryptocurrencies illegal. Uh, which makes me kind of wonder, you know, what's the chances of BitCloud actually succeeding? But they've already gotten a lot of people interested in it. They've got a huge hype cycle and they've gotten a lot of people to send money to their Bitcoin address. Uh, essentially, they've got one address where I send my Bitcoin to to buy Eager coins, but I can't do anything with the yeah. Eager coins. You I can't can take them out. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trusting them that, that this money will have value at some day that I will be able to exchange. Yeah, once again, it's pretty interesting strategy. The bigger uh, your account is, uh, the more expensive wealth you have uh, in the BitCloud, the more chances are you want to claim this money. And if you post it in your Twitter account, the more people will engage with this content and want to register on the BitCloud. So it's a really natural way to get all the Twitter users eventually to BitCloud. But the tricky part that, uh, okay, so you have this fortune there, like you have a few millions of you, a big influencer, but you can't withdraw this money. And um, the question is why people believe this platform. 
because it looks like a scam and think is that like huge investment funds uh, are has uh, invested into the platform it's public like sequoia capital it's one of the biggest ones uh, invest in them so that's why people believe uh, that uh, this uh, platform is not a scam and it's probably not a scam you're betting on the platform when you're posting this bitcloud thing in your twitter not only betting on the platform from my perspective all of the risk is on the followers there's no risk for the uh, influential person that they already have an account there that they pre-populated that wallet with a bunch of bitcloud so for elon musk to go and tweet about BitClout, that's zero risk for him. I wouldn't say that it's zero. Well, it's very low. It's Actual, a reputation like, risk, so it's Yeah, but he's already like smoked weed on the, <laughs> on the Joe Rogan show. He doesn't care about his reputation. His reputation is perfect for something yeah, like this. Yeah. But for all of his followers that go and say, I want a piece of this Elon Musk pie, mm -hmm. they have to send in money. Yeah. And they will, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. He, followers of him and, and all these other influential people on Twitter, they will go and send, send money there. Uh, so that monetary risk is on the followers. And that's where I kind of pause and say, okay, if the platform dies in three months, Elon doesn't lose anything. The guys that created the platform have a bunch of Bitcoin on their wallet that, that they can't send back or they won't, or they don't have any... Uh, reason to uh, and the followers are just out of a couple of bitcoins so yeah, it's interesting so probably it's about the betting on platform <laughs> yeah but um, the true betters are the followers but imagine the different scenarios so uh, once uh, one day like in three months they would actually uh, allow to withdraw money and everyone just uh, got a like really like great investments out there so uh, imagine how like the community will be how uh, they uh, will love the BitCloud thing. <laughs> so it's a risk, it's betting, but uh, it's uh, always, when you're talking about investment, it's always about betting, right? And yeah. the new things, they are more liquid, so you can get more uh, money out of it. So when we put a monetary value on just someone's being, that, that kind of frightens me. Yeah, but uh, that's how things are uh, rolling, right? Yeah. If, if you think more about it, uh, you can tell the same story for any technology that is common. Everyone has this like small computer in their pockets, which can hurt like a lot of people the same way like in, in that case. So any technology leads to like bad actors, to black hats and white hats and yeah. so on. Uh, everyone turns, uh, the good technology turns into business and uh, bad actors' companies start to appear. So it, it's just a part of the process. That's how I see it. So I think that's, that's okay. That's, uh, it uh, will lead to some scum there because anything good leads to, uh, like, to some shady things. Anything good leads to some shitty things. Eager is a complete techno-optimist. So should I buy some Eager coin? What, what, is your, what is your elevator pitch to your coin holders? So I would say that my coin uh, costs nothing right now just because I produce so little content for the public world. Why you need to buy this coin? Because it costs little right now. Right, I'm, um, I'm in. I'm and, in yeah. for some free eager coin. Yeah, and I'm <laughs> in to produce more and more content and uh, become big. So the same with my coin. So it's high liquidity things that will cost a lot one day. All right. Did you sign up for BitCloud? <laughs> no, not yet. Ah, come on. <laughs> All 
All right, I'm gonna get some. The one thing, the one other thing I wanted to talk about that's happening very quickly, very soon, first batch of the Parallel Accelerator. We're only accepting two products, two startups. Um, what are you most excited about to work with in the, in the first round? I'm excited because it's a new thing, <laughs> how we're uh, evolve our company. So it's now, we're not only about like developing products for our clients, developing products for ourselves, uh, we're about like helping uh, entrepreneurs. We're about uh, building uh, like networks and uh, helping founders to run their business. So we're trying to find the uh, person behind the idea. All right, Igor, that was the first episode of Ship It and Sip It. Thank you for coming on the show. Did you enjoy your beer? Yes, it's still good. Uh, so, and it's a good sign when you uh, uh, already did some sips and still good. Oh. These are great. Uh, I hope you have a great Friday. Yeah, thank you for reminding me here. Yeah. I wish you good luck with this project. Yeah, it was good to talk with you about all things uh, community, no code, Webflow. We covered a lot. So, just remember, everybody, uh, don't deploy on Friday, and uh, ship it and sip it. Have a good night. Bye bye. bye.